Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw. First and 10. And leaps his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Good Monday morning. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. What a fantastic weekend opener. For the NCAA tournament, March Madness was in full force. Hannah was in New York City. Debo was at spring break on Fort Lauderdale <laughs> Beach. It was nuts. Uh, I do notice Raja's dragging a little bit. So, Debo, give me give me something to lift him up a little bit. Give me, yeah, yeah. feel that. Uh, feel that a little bit. Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Where's the Syracuse sound? Uh, nobody knows that sound. Nobody would Is there a sound? Does Syracuse have a sound? There's not. There's if there not. was, I went there and I didn't even know about it. Uh, yeah, it was a big weekend for Hannah and I's alma mater, so it was a fun, uh, fun weekend. But those weren't the biggest storylines. So let's get to some March Madness talk. We're going to do a little bit of NBA later on. Some golf talk as Tiger Woods was back. But... Let's do some what we learned for March Madness. All right. The biggest story of the weekend, sadly, wasn't my Florida State Seminoles. It was UMBC, University of Maryland, Maryland Baltimore County, who I did not even know what UMBC stood for. <laughs> Remember right. when, when we were st- making our brackets? We were like, who knows what that is? Who knows is this team? The Retrievers. But should we know that it was easy to say now, but should we have seen this coming no. from the Caps, Cavaliers? I mean, you should have seen them. Not playing like a number one seed through the whole tournament. Like we talked about that. You know, I talked about, you know, their offense is better, but anybody who struggles to score the ball like that is going to face a team in the tournament that is hot and it's going to be a, it's going to be a short run, but not losing to a 16 seed. They beat UMBC, um, what 98 out of a hundred times that one and done format. It's why it's, it's why it's must see TV because anything can happen. You face the wrong team on the wrong night. You're cold. They're hot, um, and you got problems. And look, I told you, I, I love Tony Bennett. I think Tony Bennett is a great coach. I think his dad was a great coach. They have to figure out, and maybe it's got something to do with the academic criteria that it requires to get into Virginia. But offensively, they don't they don't have the type of teams offensively that they need, athletically that they need to be. An over the hump championship team, in my opinion. Um, they can always be good. He always gets them to buy in and gets, a, gets the most out of that talent, but they don't seem to have the higher end type of talent that you need, uh, to be effective offensively. It almost feels like they're playing the wrong type of basketball for this era. Like well, maybe oh, 20 years ago, it yeah. might have worked, but now with everybody shooting threes and yeah. it's neutralized I mean, the game, it'll get you a bunch of wins. And and in a watered down like NCAA, you could wind up being the number one team in the country because you just lock down and you defend. But ultimately, you're right. You're not going to skate through a tournament with 64 teams if you can't score points. It was nuts. I don't think anybody saw this coming, but I think the thing that might have been most shocking, and I thought it took away from it a little bit, was that it was a blowout. Like, it wasn't even close. I would have preferred, like, everybody's asking where you were when it happened. I was on a plane, by the way. I didn't even get to see it. But I would have preferred a buzzer beater. Like, that would have been even more compelling of a story for me. But it still shouldn't take away anything from these dudes. Me too. Like, it's more fun. It's (laughs) exciting. But it shouldn't take away anything from the players from UMBC. Here they are talking about, about the game afterwards. 
The UBC team is very big on Fortnite. The words. Are there words for this? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to put it into words, but I think video is better. That's why I'm going. <laughs> it's like your first Fortnite victory. Yeah, it's, it's like your, your first, first Fortnite, Fortnite victory, victory, honestly. <laughs> I I don't know what your first Fortnite victory feels like. I've never <laughs> you won. haven't done it yet? No, but I loved it. I thought, I mean, that's what that moment should be for you. It right. should be whatever you want it to be. You should be enjoying it, having fun. Um, and I thought, I thought, I thought it was great. I mean, it sucked for those kids in Virginia, but, um, UMBC deserved it. They came yeah. out and whooped them. So their run came to an end versus Kansas State last night. They were everybody's darling team. And you want to see the Cinderella story continue, but, there's no, these guys will be remembered for this forever. Like, I don't even know if we'll remember as much who wins the tournament this year as much as we'll remember UMBC for knocking off that 16 versus one, which had never happened before. It was yeah. 135 and 0, those matchups. And now they're the first ones to do it. They will always be remembered for that. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on. There were some other crazy games. What about, uh, Michigan versus Houston? A crazy finish in this one. <laughs> you can hear the sheer elation right there in the voice. Uh, freshman Jordan Poole hit the big buzzer beater at the end. There was a great tweet. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Jordan Peele from Key and Peele yeah. just won an Oscar. And apparently people were hitting him up all across Twitter con- congratulating him on the jumper that won the tournament. So he tweeted out. He said, I just want everybody to know it's like all the hard work I put in on my jump shot. So thanks. <laughs> and then the best part of it, Jordan Poole saw it and like tweeted at him. It was a pretty cool moment. A little mix up on Twitter, but it was fantastic. Uh, so the, the big topic from most analysts after the game was Houston not defending the inbounds pass, instead electing the double when as soon as he got to half court. Did you have a problem with the way Houston guarded that? You know what I try to stay away from is uh telling coaches what they should do philosophically. What what you believe in has gotten you this far. Um and if you don't put a man on the inbound ball, I could see why you wouldn't. Um it, it gives you five versus four. You know they have to throw it long. Um but you do um you know run the risk of allowing a straight line pass instead of something that goes in the air. So like again I would have probably put somebody on the ball to make him have to throw it with a different trajectory. I don't want that straight line drive to half court advance pass with no time off the clock. And now we're in a scorable position, but I'm not going to second guess the guy because that's what he believes in. Like when you're, when you're a coach, you and your staff have to have a philosophy, any sport, and you've got to stick with that philosophy. You can't be wavering in times of like in critical situations. You have to go with your guns. It's the, it's the foul versus not foul. Um, you know, when you're down, when you're up three mm-hmm. and a team's got the ball, like what so, Syracuse did. Right. I mean, some people believe in the foul, give them two free throws and we'll play the free throw shooting game. Other teams hang their hat on playing defense and, and rebounding. And so like you're, you're playing the result a little bit. That was a, I don't know what the percentage chance of him making that shot with 3.6. It was an incredible shot, like great for the freshman kid uh, and Michigan heartbreaker for Houston, but I'm not going to second guess the coach. This is the one thing I hate. And I think it's what makes players and coaches hate the media is when we do this right? because it happens all the time. I am with you. And I think athletes handle this better than people in the media because they want to be the experts. They want to nail things down. But you know what? Sometimes the other team makes a play. Here's what that, I, that's like. That's correct. what that was. Absolutely right. And I am a member of the media now, but this was always a thing for me. You're not an effing expert. 
<laughs> if you're an expert, you'd be out there doing it. Right. You'd be right. either coaching or you'd be playing. And you ain't doing either one. So you ain't that much of a damn what expert. About, what about the players that were on the set? Because there were some former players that are on there criticizing it. I just feel well, like that, it's over It's no, over the top criticism. It is. But, again, you're playing the result. And you're, you're, their philosophy may be of the of the other, you know. Right. They may, want it to, they may run it the other way or do right. the other. And that's fine. But – I mean that he's in it's a position. Totally he's where he is. Like, for, yeah, that's I thought the they, definition I thought of playing they the result. They defended it outstanding. Like they had a hand in his face, Dude. and they doubled the pass as soon as it got. They set up the trap, so like that wasn't an easy pass to get it over to Peel. That was and a then, lucky shot. Yeah, he that, hit I mean, a prayer. He is. It's a prayer. He's a good player. <laughs> right. Probably a great three point shooter. That was not a good three point look. He shot it legs wide open, falling <laughs> down. It was a lucky shot. Good for him. Yes, it was. All right, let's move on next. What we learned. All right, we learned that no lead is safe because Nevada was trailing by 22 points against Cincinnati. That's insane. It was insane. The game was over. I was starting to flip it around, watching other stuff. Uh, here was Nevada's head coach, Eric Musselman, talking about it. Just a lot of heart, a lot of determination, uh, no quit. Some halftime adjustments of trapping and trying to speed them up. Nothing feels better than this. Nothing. Sweet 16. Eric Musselman has uh, been fantastic. one of the viral like no sensations <laughs> of the tournament because he was also caught in the locker room after their uh, other win, uh, dropping a few f bombs. It was insane. I love listening. Yeah. <laughs> I love listening to the coaches when they lose their voice because you just know they've been right. yelling their lungs out the entire game. They were down by 22 with 11 minutes to go. Uh, Josh Hall converted the offensive uh, rebound for the go-ahead bucket with 9.1 seconds remaining. They didn't have a lead in the game until that late. I always think, and this, you tell me if you think I'm wrong, I think it's easier to play from behind because you just go out there and it's like, what do we got to lose now? We're down 22. Let's just start firing away and let's start making plays. And conversely, for the other team, they start getting a little bit nervous. They start yeah. squeezing a little bit tired. Like, uh-oh, we're not going to blow this, right, are they we? They have the pressure. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You start – I think you're correct. You play – you start playing not to lose rather than playing to win. Um, and sometimes you can't diagnose that in the moment. When you're that team or that coach, you get just a little bit more conservative. You you dial it back. And before you know it, there's this level of momentum built up on the other side that you can no longer control. Like, destiny isn't in your own hands anymore. And so – I didn't see that game admittedly because I was in the gym coaching. That's why my voice sounds like this. Uh, different level, but still I was yelling. Um, but that's what that sounded like to me. Eric Musselman, I, I love the fact that, you know, he's coached. He's like a lifelong coach. He's been in the NBA and he's out there yelling, sweet 16, nothing gets better than this. Like, I think it's fantastic. It shows the passion that he has for the game. But what I imagine happened in that game is just what you spoke to. Like, Nevada says, what do we have to lose? And since he says, oh my God, we've got this much to lose. Let's, let's tighten it down. Let's start getting conservative. Let's stop doing exactly what we were doing in the first place to get us here. And you're, you're walking a fine line. You're just praying that that clock runs out. That's a real scary situation to be in. To me, it says more about Cincinnati not being a great team. They're a good team, but great, great teams close out games. They oh. don't, they're up 22. They win by 30. Yeah, that, exactly. That's not a great team. Going for but, it. and that brings, you know, a, Bigger question, I guess, is that I don't know that there are any great teams out there this year. I don't, I don't, you know, I honestly, like Duke is nice. Villanova, I think, is the class of the, of the, hold on, we're gonna get basketball. to them. We're gonna get to them, but yeah. there might be one. Oh, <laughs> there 
compromise. Oh, we, we might just have this on loop. We should just put it under the bed like the entire show. You qualify Just to play it the whole time. They're a great Florida State team because they didn't get knocked out in the first round. I actually, like, I like FSU, but I hate that sound so much. Oh, come on. When you go to a game, they play it at least 30 times. All right, so Florida State did pull off one of the upsets. They put off, they up in a Xavier. Rough night for Cincinnati. The Queen City. Oh, rough night for Cincinnati. Uh, they actually came at a 16 to 4 run to finish the game. I thought they blew it. Like, I thought Florida State was playing trash, like, like trash, like just wild, kind of out of control. But they came back, hit some big buckets. They had some dudes on the boards. The thing that was fascinating to me is they didn't do it with three pointers. Like, they did it kind of the old school hard way, just hustling, getting offensive rebounds. Now they have Gonzaga in the next round, which again, they'll be underdogs in. But this is the year, to your point, which I was just talking about. It does feel like it's anybody's ball game right now. I do think there are some teams that are separating themselves somewhat. Um, but I do feel like Florida State has a chance. Like, why not? Why not us? And that's what they tweeted out. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, why not you? Is because Gonzaga's going to beat you in the next round. But, I mean, I understand the sentiment. <laughs> like, I get it. Like, you could, <laughs> anyone could win. And, and you're right. Like, the field's pretty wide open. But Leonard Hamilton, I've known him since I was, like, 13. He used to coach at Miami. Yeah. And, my dad was was over there, and so I grew up in the gym with all of his teams. What he typically does, him and Stan Jones, is they they get, especially since they've been in Florida State, they go with the athlete. They go with the long, rangy, tough, physical, kind of like Bama does, mm-hmm. where no matter what, when push comes to shove, you're not going to be overmatched athletically. Um, and I think when I'm watching that game last night and I'm watching the last part of it, that spoke to me a little bit against Xavier. They just looked like they were outsized, out athlete. Yeah. Um, and especially on the glass. Yeah. Like, they was... they just got beat up pretty good. And so, um, look, that, again, the same thing with Bama. And I think it reared its head. If you're not going to be able to shoot that ball and you face a good enough team who'll pack that paint and they match up size wise with you, it could be a challenge in a one game scenario. So that would be my only thing against Florida State because Gonzaga's big. Gonzaga's big, too. They're, they may not have the athletes across the board, but they're big. It's funny how the brackets worked out because two of them, the East and the Midwest, have everything's almost chalk is almost playing yeah. out. The ones and twos are playing out. But in the South and the West, which Florida State is in the West, Xavier and North Carolina both out. I am so hoping for a Florida State versus Texas A&M matchup in the Elite Eight because of Jimbo going to Texas A&M. Oh, like I, it would be fantastic. Oh, so like, right. oh my gosh, there'd be so that much trash being talked. All right, let's move on to what we learned about uh, who's been the most impressive team so far. Like we're still trying to figure out who's separated themselves. I think it comes down to two. I think it's Villanova or Duke. Take your pick. I'll take Villanova because they were my team. And in terms of impressive, they're just doing what I thought they would do. But the most impressive team, the most impressive team to me so far has been Loyola Chicago. Like they, they, they really, yeah, they just because, um, I was told by a friend of mine how good they were and he gave me some background and some stuff I didn't know about them from earlier in the season. And yeah, they've won by buzzer beaters, but that's almost as hard to do that in back to back games and fight and claw and scrap and figure out a way to win it as it is to like blow out Virginia if you're the number 16 seed. I mean, you, you, you have to be a solid basketball team. You're not a you're not a fluke team that just got hot. You're a solid basketball team when you're in this tournament, you know, going toe to toe with some of these these heavyweight programs, and you're figuring out ways to win down the stretch. Like that speaks to your kids' resolve. It speaks to the coaching, um, and so they're battle tested. That's been the best the best 
story, but the best team, I still, it's Villanova in my opinion. Yeah, Vegas agrees with you. Villanova is the best odds, plus 360, Duke at plus 400. But now that you're talking about it, like I'm always looking for value. Loyal is a hundred to one long shot to Ooh. win it all. Ooh. Now I'm thinking about taking a flyer. Now that I got what were they though a week ago? Probably what, like 300. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even better. Um, all right. Let's move on. Next. What we learned. So we might have hit on this just a second ago, but who's the top Cinderella team? Do you like Loyola the most? I do, and I think they could. I like Loyola the most. I think they could get through Nevada. What about, um, what about Hannah's team? Give Hannah's to the, give, the, so give the Q's. Syracuse. Does Syracuse count as a Cinderella no, team? I don't the, think so. Why not? Great, great, great I don't know. Garbage I, I all so year. Because <laughs> they have been garbage this year, I will say that, but like they've never been a garbage team and they in all, general. Hey, listen. Them and Loyola are the lowest seeds at 11. But when you – Jim Beheim is like as good a coach as there is. Like he's you say, a goat. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, whenever you take the formula that he has where they're long – like someone told me they're the biggest team in college basketball, but they're guards. He typically plays guards that are 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, both of his guards. Um, and whether they underachieve or whatever in the regular season, he's always got a couple pros on his team. He just does. They put out pros at Syracuse. And when you get that type of length, that right combination of skill, and then you're going to sit there with all of that length in a big old long zone, it's really, really hard to play against. Zones with length all over the place, and you can't see over them. You, you really never have a real clean shot, so you start forcing a couple shots because you get antsy and you just got to get something up to the rim. It throws your whole rhythm off, and they do it every year in the tournament. Like Even when they're bad, and people don't think they should be yeah, in. They, they wind do. up in the Sweet 16. Like they, so for me, not a Cinderella, but pretty cool story. You actually called it. Yeah. And we gave you all this, kind of. Yeah, but she called thing. the Bills in the playoffs. Too. <laughs> Let's not go too far. Wait, Hannah likes to play it. those they Homer picks. Uh, no, I, I have this exact move, like Syracuse and Duke playing the Sweet 16 on my bracket. See? So I just want to give myself a round of applause. <laughs> I have a random question though. So like, so these teams have been playing like every couple of days, right? Now they have to wait until Friday. Like what does that do to a team like Syracuse who has this like they're not supposed to be in there, but they're in there. Like like mentally, what do these guys do from now until Friday? Is I think that... they're living on cloud nine. Like yeah. I, I like this how do you is not best. get sidetracked or how do you not get like routine? Right? Like you yeah. go you go routine, right? I mean they'll do they'll do what they've always done all year. They'll go back. They'll go to class. They'll go to practice. Like they'll is school do back in, or some of these schools break. on spring break. I mean, some of that's got something but, to do with it. That's true. But no matter what, like yeah. Syracuse isn't going to Fort Lauderdale Beach. Like they're going to go. <laughs> Syracuse down, doesn't no go to what. classes anyway, right? <laughs> oh no! All of they're back in the lab. Like this is this is time to nail down. Now this it's unique because you typically. Like you don't get a whole lot of time to prep for your first round opponent and right. you don't get a whole lot of time to prep for your second round opponent because that's the, like two days later. They're going to have a week essentially to prep for Duke. And I just wonder if the prep helps or hurts you like coming off of like yeah. what if you have that momentum going? I think it helps because you played a lot of basketball. Like they went through an ACC tournament. What was it? Are they in the ACC now? Syracuse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Jesus. They go to the ACC <laughs> tournament. They've, they've been through two rounds. Like, they've, there's been a lot of travel. Three games, because they won that Three, play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then with all the travel factored in, I think they could use, they could use a little time. This is Syracuse specific, but I think all the teams, um, they're not pros. Like, they don't, they're not conditioned to put this on display night after night after night. So mm -hmm. getting them regrouped, getting them back home into a routine is going to be good. This is the best time of year for coaches because normally I think it's hard to get guys to practice. Like in the drudgery of regular right. season, guys don't want to go. Now everybody wants to be there. Like you're excited. Everybody has a little yeah. bit more uh, like energy. There's a positivity about it. This is the best time to be around. And to Syracuse playing the 2-3 zone the way they do, I think they have the combination – 
that Virginia wishes they had. Like they play really good defensively, but they also have the athletes to get it. They have the pros. Yeah, they got a couple pros. Who do you guys think is winning that one? Uh, with Syracuse, uh, Wednesday. Uh, this is Coach K versus Beheim. That's a big deal. Yeah, I listen. That's... I think Duke's really good. I know. I, I like have Duke. Duke winning it all after this. Although I'm Duke beat Syracuse this year. Don't be surprised. I don't want to be that guy. Don't be surprised. I don't want to be that guy. But y'all, if Syracuse save beats it for Duke, Wednesday, I'm not coming to work. No, no, I've made a lot of money this weekend because <laughs> I love playing the underdogs. Like that's what I like to play. So and you're they rooting for Syracuse? Crushed it. Yeah, I always okay, root for the underdogs. If Syracuse beats Duke. I'm not coming to work on next week. <laughs> <laughs> you can do like Debo. You can go travel up when the Eagles are winning. He was going back and forth. All right. So no doubt we have a ton to look forward to. We're going to preview the Sweet 16 on Wednesday show. Uh, but this is the thing that was fascinating to me. Were you guys watching the basketball? And it was – what game was trash that was going back and forth that was at the same time as the golf was going on? Was it uh, – UNC, Texas A&M. That game was That was trash. finishing. Yeah, yeah. That, that game was awful. But – a lot of people watching golf at the Arnold Palmer inv- Arnold Palmer Invitational. <laughs> I think it. I spit it out. Yes. It. Because our boy Tiger was back, and he made an early run. He went out, shot 33 on the front, started getting it going, and then just a few missed opportunities, um, and he came up short. But I'm I'm glad he came up short. Yeah. I'm still on track for the Masters. He looked good. He looked great. He looks good. Here he is. Here's Tiger. To be in contention, if you would ask me, you know, the beginning of the year, that I would have had a chance to win – Two golf tournaments. Um, that's uh, that would have been. I would have taken that in a heartbeat. If I can play with um, no pain and I can feel like I can make golf swings, I'll figure it out. And uh, I'm starting to piece it together tournament by tournament. And each tournament's gotten a little bit crisper and a little bit better. Talk to him, Hannah. Yeah, go ahead. Talk to him, Hannah. Go ahead. I've been laughing this whole time with Tiger's voice. It does sound. That was a different t- tone that in his voice tone, that yeah. time. It sounded like yes. extra. Like, like a- extra. <laughs> <laughs> that was like too funny to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, it did. No, it, it did sound a little But I think you're seeing in this comeback, whatever you want to call it. I think some people say it's he hasn't extra, come back because he, he hasn't won. I say that's garbage. I think he clearly is back. Yeah. But. You saw him coming off the 18th green, like smiling at the crowd. Yeah. Like waving to the crowd. Previous Tiger would have been pissed off. Livid. That he didn't win the tournament, that he hit his driver out Ooh, of bounds. Like point. he would have been livid. But I think it is interesting. Like I wonder if this new Tiger can still get it done at a major and still win. I think he can. I kind of like his can. perspective now. I think the game is still there, most importantly, on that one. Uh, but it's going to not come without some challenges because you have a slew of young guys and Justin Thomas, um, Ricky bro, Fowler, Jason Day. Justin Thomas but there also, all the time, bro. I'm trying to make up to this man on Twitter. Cut, out, <laughs> cut it out. Cut it out. But Justin, you, you also <laughs> have another guy yeah. who had a pretty impressive comeback on his own in Rory McIlroy because he came roaring down the stretch and he tweeted out, which I thought was a little bit of a, hey, I'm over here too. He said something about the number of days. I think it's been 563 days since he has won. And he sent out a tweet. He's like, hey, it's been a long time, but it feels good to be back. He's a guy that Tiger's going to have to reckon with too now. Well, I think he's playing with his confidence back. As a as a golf fan, I think it's it's great that Rory's playing great and Tiger's playing great. And, you know, you've got Justin Thomas's. And and, and how did uh, Justin finish up yesterday, Rose? I don't like, know. His like, pre-shot routine is painful. It, it though. is painful, but it's like he got all dorky and I, like goes in there and like makes <laughs> the first swing. I don't know. But, I'm a golf nut, but like for for golf, I think we're in a good place, especially going to the Masters. As a Tiger fan, everything was great. 
Everything was great. I yeah. wanted him to lose, uh, close, be in the hunt yep. until Rory went ham. Because when Rory's hot, I, I, I honestly, when Rory's hot, I don't, Tiger doesn't have the firepower to contend with Rory when he's really, really hot at this point, in my opinion. Yep. Like when he's on his A game, like he did for stretches, you know, when Tiger was absent and stuff like that. But, um, Augusta's Augusta, baby. Like, let's, 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 exactly. guys let's see what happens. Are we going is the question. Damn Seriously, it. let's get the show on the road. Devo, pull some strings, man. Let's hey, go. Kieran Portley. <laughs> Kieran Portley. Yeah. Call him out. Let's That's go. Right. That's that our works boss. so well with your, like, Kieran extra Portley. We've, <laughs> we've called out a bunch of things yet. We haven't done any of them. We had the Super Bowl, the NBA All-Star game. This is the third time. Yo, the third time to Syracuse be the charge. Is going. Yeah. No, I don't no, Florida State and Syracuse. We can, can both be going. Then we're definitely going. I would be so <laughs> rattled. We may not be there, but you know where we can watch it all? Right here at CBS Sports HQ. <laughs> because Excellent that segue. is the Excellent best segue. new way to get the latest scores, news, and highlights uh, for the Knowles Sweet 16 run. Everything you want to see. CBS Sports HQ. It's a brand new 24-7 streaming sports information channel. It's always on, and it's completely free. That's the best part about it. You can stream it anytime on the CBS Sports app for Apple TV, Roku, your phone, and other connected devices. Or, as always, just turn on your computer, flip it online, and watch at CBSSportsHQ.com. Here's what's happening with Hannah. The Six dealt just their sixth home loss of the season on Sunday as the Thunder also end the Raptors' 11-game winning streak. Russell Westbrook pours in 37 points to go along with 13 rebounds and 14 assists to pad OKC's two-game lead for the four seed in the West. DeMar DeRozan, Serge Ibaka, and Coach Dwayne Casey were all ejected in the game's final minute for Toronto after complaining to refs about missed calls. Roger, what do you think of this that This game one? was right up Roger's alley. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I'm, I'm bored with the NBA right now. Ooh. I am. I mean, the college basketball is on the scene. That's true. Um, golf is on the scene. And the NBA is in this weird place where when I was a player, I'm conditioned to be like this. Most NBA dudes are. Like, you're conditioned at this point because the season's been so long. Even when you're not playing, you probably experience this with, like, football. On, like, a Thursday. Do you guys travel Thursday or Friday? Friday. No, for a Sunday game? Yeah. Uh, Saturday. Saturday. But you yeah. start, like, Saturday. When you don't play, like, on Saturdays, you start you start to get antsy because you're like, oh, I yeah. should be going somewhere. I should yeah. be doing something. So I'm just like, I'm where I'm I'm bored with this. I'm ready to be in the playoffs. Oh, man. All right. Things also getting heated late in Minnesota. The Rockets guard, Gerald Green, was ejected for starting an altercation after teammate Chris Paul was fouled by the T-Wolves' Gorgie Jen. CP3 saying that he will pay for any fines that result from the green shove. Houston won their fifth straight, 129 to 120. That's a good teammate. No <laughs> real talk. That's a good teammate. Somebody's got your back. You pay for that fine for them. You let them know that, that, that you got them the same way they got you. Um, Mark Cuban had told me once when I was in Dallas, it was 0203. I was like the instigator. I started half the games, like, because, because they needed a little bit of like just, like nasty, like I didn't score any points. I just defended. And he was like, any tech you get, I fought, like I, I got in a big altercation with Ron Ortest and we were like, it's all kind of stuff. He was like, yo, whatever tech you get, I got him. And I was like, yes, we got action. <laughs> it just freed me up to do what I wanted to do. So uh, that's pretty cool. I, I like Chris Paul. Good gesture, man. How many did you get? I don't know. I don't, I, I was still young, so I wasn't really showing my com- entire like <laughs> repertoire of craziness. Like I was, I needed to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, nobody can beat the Blazers, at least in the last 13 tries. Portland extends their streak with a 122-109 to victory over the Clippers, backed by 23 from Dame Lillard and a Yusuf Nurkic triple-double. The next one will be the toughest one, a matchup with the Rockets looming on Tuesday. Ooh, getting hot at the right time. I think that game Tuesday is going to – that's going to say a lot. I think it's a – it's a 
It's going to be a statement game for both teams. It'll be one of those type of late season games where I just said I was bored, where people <laughs> snap out of the boredom. The yeah. Rocket, I mean, the Blazers are a team that's not bored. The Rockets are a team still playing for something. Um, that'll be a good game. I'm going to tune into that. When you say it was Tuesday night, mm-hmm. I'll my schedule. Tuesday. Neymar, one of the top soccer stars in the world, wants to be compensated like he's the very best and then some. Reports out that the 26-year-old Brazilian wants $1.39 million per week from PSG, which is good for $72.28 million a year. Totally deserving, right, Danny? Man, <laughs> soccer is the Jeez. world sport. These dudes, he most should be underrated, overpaid guys out there. Like, yes. <laughs> they get so much money. But more power to him. I never, I never knock him. Hey, go get your payday. Nadama Kinsu, probably the best free agent left on the NFL free agent market, but it doesn't appear that he's super close to selecting a side. He visited the Titans and the Saints over the weekend. The Rams have a meeting scheduled, while the Seahawks could get one soon. My man is out there on private jets taking the free agent tour for all it's worth. He's shopping around. Good for him. I would just be cautious how much guaranteed money you gave him. I thought you saw a guy who got paid by the Dolphins and shut it down. After really? That. Yes. My man was out there giving up loafing on plays. Nah, bro. Yeah. He used to be so much nastier when he was in Detroit, and he didn't have all that guarantee. So money. you don't think he had a good season last year? No. It's garbage. Ooh, I need a better teammate. Uh, and he's dirty. He's always kicking dudes. That I don't agree with, but I thought he played pretty well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that wasn't the only NFL news because there was a – people were describing this as a blockbuster trade. I kind of felt that was overplayed a little bit. They only moved up from six to the third pick, and that's the New York Jets. I think the biggest thing that people are trying to figure out is what does it mean? Right. I don't know that either because here's the thing. If you moved up to three, there's a very good chance if you have your eyes set on somebody, whether it's Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Saquon Barkley, whoever that player is, that you might lose out on him because right. there are two picks ahead of you. So it seems really risky and probably stupid to go up there with no guarantee that you're going to get your guy. I didn't. I didn't necessarily get it either. Um, I mean, I guess if you're saying we want one of the, what is it, three or four quarterbacks that are. Three. There's a ton. Like, there's let's four. say, let's say the top, the cream of the crop is four of them, right? Yeah, there are four Baker, that have said, yep, Josh, uh, Josh Allen, Allen yep. two kids from, from Josh, uh, Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. If you're just saying I'm cool with any of the four, then I guess it makes sense, right? Because you're guaranteed to get one of them at that spot, which you wouldn't have otherwise been at six. You wouldn't have been guaranteed. Cor- but I still think Cleveland, Cleveland had two of those picks. So you still could have gotten one of the four. So I think they have, what I think is that they have it whittled down to two. And they're assuming, when this is an assumption, that one of those two guys isn't picked at one, both of them that aren't picked in front of them, which yeah. is probably a safe assumption. I mean, yeah, but I, even with the Browns, even with the Browns with four, like if, if, if everybody else went quarterback, if the Browns went quarterback and everybody else at two, three, and, and five, the went Colts quarter, wouldn't went, have gone quarterback at three. No, I don't think so either. Because they have Andrew Luck. And I'm simply good. saying, if you're not a guarantee, right? Like, that's not a guarantee, right. is it? They would have had the, their fourth choice at, if they stayed at, at sixth. If at they war, stayed at the yeah. sixth pick. Right. They would have had the fourth. There best. wouldn't have been four quarterbacks in the top five. There would have been three in the top five. Right. Okay. So well, they still could have had a guy. But that's why I think they whittled it down to two. But again, if you're going to make that type of move, you should be guaranteed one. You like your guy. Which tells me either they're not done moving, like they either move right. up to that number one or try to do something to get up to two. But I don't know what's left to do because they're already giving away a boatload of, of stuff, of picks to move to this spot. I don't, it didn't make much sense to me. And they're still... 
don't know. They brought in Teddy Bridgewater. They're bringing back McCown. Like, I think this team has a lot of issues they have to resolve, and I don't think this solves any of them. All right, you talked about it being a slow, boring time with yeah. the NBA, and it, it does feel like that. It's sort of the doldrums of the NBA when it just feels like they're just like, get us the playoffs. Like, just get us there. You do see some some kind of teams jockeying for seed positions, but it's not very compelling uh, to me. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you sound like it isn't to you. What is uh but there is some news out of Golden State. Yep. We've done the Cavs worry meter where it was bad. It was off the charts before they blew up the team, and then you were back on the bandwagon with the Cavs. What about the Warriors? Scale of one to ten, how much concern should there be about this team getting to the NBA finals? I'm not gonna say winning it all. I'm gonna say just getting there because they have a slew of injuries that are starting to mount up. Steph Curry's ankle is always an issue. It's it's cropped up again. Clay Thompson has a thumb issue that's out for the next three games. And the latest is Kevin Durant out at least two weeks with a rib injury. Yeah, because the scale of worry because of injury should be at like a two. Because I don't I don't imagine that any of these injuries are major like significant injuries. The Steph Curry ankle, I think they've they've shut him down for for enough time to make sure that he comes back one hundred percent. Clay. That fracture can't be that bad if they're only talking about the time that 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 they've got him missing. And the the ribs could be tricky because, like, I had separated ribs a time or two, and they're they're really painful. Like you're breathing and laughing and just general like that can be really painful. But there's enough time where those guys get healthy. I don't think they're the type of team that needs a whole lot of time to like find their chemistry. They play together too much. They play a freewheeling style. That that's gonna be fine. Um they should just generally be worried that they don't make the finals because Houston's there because Portland's playing great uh because there's some hurdles that you got to clear in that Western Conference playoffs that are significant but the injuries I don't put I don't put a lot of stock in in them hampering them getting to the to the finals uh speaking of the Houston Rockets head coach Mike D'Antoni we had his brother on Dan D'Antoni shout yeah. out to him cuz he was a great guest Dan on D our show and he pulled off the upset in round 1 unfortunately I was pulling for him hard yeah. against West Virginia West Virginia was just too much for them but he was a lot of fun to talk to uh especially the story about our boy Raja saying, nobody punks Raja Bell. Nobody <laughs> punks Raja Bell. That's my favorite story yet on the podcast. Uh, but there was also a coach that was making some waves with some of his comments. It was Stephen F. Austin's coach who they got bounced in round one. And he blamed millennials. <laughs> on the. So here's what he said after the game. Get in line. Yeah. Millennials don't even watch college basketball. Uh, Keller said after the Lumberjacks 70 to 60 lost to Texas Tech. A lot of our guys didn't even know who's those, who those cats were on Texas Tech's roster because they don't watch the game. They're on their phone and they're doing that kind of stuff. All right. So we caught a lot of backlash on Twitter. So he tried to clarify the remarks. Uh, he said, I use millennials as an example of how life has changed since I was raised. Our players knew the scouting report inside and out. They knew Texas Tech's personnel. But what I was saying is that during the season, kids aren't watching games like they used to. They're on their phones now. I'm not mad at my players. I don't blame them. So our boy Kyle Keller, head coach of Stephen L. Austin, sounds like he totally did a 180 because of the backlash. Well, what what kind of backlash? Like, what are they, like what they getting backlash were, for? No, like, people were giving him a hard time saying, well, why are you blaming millennials? Like, how about do your job as a coach? Like, he was just catching some heat for the comments. But I think he was spot on. Like oh, I, I, yeah, spot on. Like, get over yourself. Like, <laughs> you, you, like, there, look, man, there's a whole generation of kids that's raised completely different than the way we were raised. And ain't all of it great. I'm gonna tell you right now. I deal with high school kids on a daily. Some of these cats are some poopy attitude kids, man. <laughs> like, real talk. And he's not lying in, in, in what he's saying. Like, my kids, my own children will be at the house, like, hanging out on a Friday night. And I had 
couple of the kids on my fifth grade team over you know, this weekend because we had early games and they were going to go to the game with us in the morning and we're watching NCAA games. At least I am while we're eating pizza. My wife's watching and I'm wa- I'm like, hey man, did you guys see that play? And I look over and they're all playing Fortnite or something or, or, or watching a video on their iPhone or their, their, their tab, whatever the hell they have. And so that's a fact. I don't, I don't know that I read him blaming social media and millennials for the lost or, or, or all these gadgets and electronics, but it is a fact that they don't watch. They don't, my kids don't watch NBA games. They'll sit there with me to watch the game mm-hmm. and I'll look over and I'll be like, you didn't even see that damn play, did you? <laughs> oh no, I saw it. I saw it. I'm like, you didn't, you didn't see it. And I'll rewind it. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. not watching. They've got all of this stuff at their fingertips. Do your kids do what mine do? And as soon as the commercials come on, they watch the commercials more than the game. <laughs> that drives me what? nuts with mine because they don't, they're, they're 10, 9, and like yeah. they're, they're more entertained by the commercials than they are by the game. But here's what I think about uh, Kyle Keller's comments. I think he's right, but I don't think it's exclusive to millennials. I think it's our society now has less of an attention span than we ever have. Like we are geared towards short, quick, pleasing, like gratifying. It's got to be, you got to get it right away. And I like, I I think back to where, um, you know, I hate hate going back to when I played, but I used to go back out and shoot baskets for two hours or I would go out and hit baseballs for two hours. Now, even now, like I'll try to get better at golf. I'll go out and hit balls for 10 minutes. I'm like, Oh, let me see what's on Twitter. Let me go. Let me go see if anybody's hit me up trolling me on the SEC stuff. Like it's accessibility. Yeah, probably accessibility. You know, like I think it's it's just a different, I think it's the biggest challenge that coaches have now. I will agree with you on that. Like, cause even, even myself, like I I was you and I try to refer, I tell my kids and stuff all the time, like, listen, like, you, you gotta be self-motivated to go out there and do that. Like, and I said it two days ago. Like, I used to be out at the park. I'd be in the middle of the street. Like, I, they're not wired like that anymore. And I'm not either, to your point. Like, I, I am much more, you know, connected to a device than I've ever been myself. But I will still, having dealt with kids at that age, um, where I coached and coaching some of these other schools when their kids come to these all-star games and stuff like that, the, the kids are wired different. Like, the voice, maybe it's the voice, that some of these social media platforms provide, they're just wired different. The respect for authority isn't there. Like it is a, it is a different generation. And people probably said that about us, like older generations said it about our, our generation. Right. But it's a fact. Like these kids are wired way different. I do. I think that's a really good point that you hit on because I can imagine my parents or my coaches saying, Oh, these kids watch too much TV. Right. Like, like Correct. now it's too much social media. Yeah. Right. At one time it was too much talking on the phone. Yeah, like too much radio at one point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there's always yeah. something. Too much. Biggest pet peeve in the whole world is when I'm trying to watch a movie with a friend and they're on their phone, yeah. and I'm like, "Watch the freaking movie!" <laughs> right. Like I can't. It's just so like I'm watching. Just go away. Like, yeah, go just home. leave. I, Why are you doing just watch but the great coaches <laughs> find a way to still motivate to overcome some of those challenges yeah. and right. still get the most out of their players for sure. All right, uh, Major League Baseball. Let's do some talking baseball Word. with Rajah Bell. A little bit of a controversy is Aaron Judge. Was, I don't even know if this is caught, but he was, MLB was not happy because he was, quote, recruiting Manny Machado to join him on the Yankees. I think this is the dumbest story in sports he that we saw last week. They all do it. Like, you're they're, not, they're he never. He did gonna, this with John Carlos Stanton. Absolutely. And it proved to work. But I'm so totally maybe. okay with it though. Like, you're always right. going to recruit your boys to of play course. with you. Absolutely. Like, there's nothing that, Major League Baseball or the NBA or anybody would be able to do to stop it because, yeah, they can find them. They can try to do things, but it's always going to occur. You can't. Like, if a general manager or the president of a club or the owner is going after Manny Machado and that's something that you might be able to 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 police, 
But friend to friend, like colleague to colleague, boy to boy over some drinks or in a text that I send to you or like get over – like there's nothing you can do about that. The control, I get it. You don't love it. But it's happening and it's happening across all sports and it's the lay of the land. Like, I think it's, it's just it funny is. that it becomes public because, you know, at all-star games, at off-season workouts, Dude, it, at parties, at the – like wherever they are, these guys get to know each other more so now than ever because they are connected. Of course they're going to say, come join me. Like it would be a blast. Steve Nash you? and I, when I, was in, when I was in Utah, Steve was my buddy from Dallas and we stayed in touch. We were always friends and whatever. And halfway through my last season in Utah, we were talking all the time about how fun it would be like if, if I was – he wasn't recruiting me there, but this was just two friends talking about, you know, a situation that would be cool to play in. And, and it just, you can't, you can't police that. So to concern yourself with it feels like, like you're causing more stress than you actually need. No doubt about it. All right. Let's get to, uh, some topics. What do you got for us today? Topics. So UMBC, the darlings of the tournament located in Baltimore. We know that now, Danny. Under Armour also in Baltimore. Steph Curry is Under Armour's biggest athlete. The dots are connected. Steph giving the retrievers the limited release Curry fives, and it's not going to be the only love they get, but a good gift. Yeah, a solid gift. They were right. They were right. They were right. I mean, they got, I, got, I got more John Blaze. That how did they look? They were all right. I, I like Steph's new new kick. I didn't love these all black ones. I they were all right. See, I don't like the ones that he had that were all white that he got skewered for. This was like the two nursing years ago. shoes. Yeah, the nursing shoes that yeah. were awful. Like I like to see a little bit more. Like color and stuff, like contrast. Like if yeah. they're all black, I like to see a little bit of silver, a little bit of something in there, like something to pull out something from the team uniform. So I, that's why I don't like all black or all white unless I, it's in cars. They, I mean, I saw them like they, I thought they were all black. They may have had some silver. They got in a them. little bit on the were, bottom. Yeah, but I thought I mean, you got it up. Yeah, see those there? They're not. Yeah, bad. they're not mo- needle movers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but they I don't, like exactly. They don't. They don't do nothing. I like what Under Armour did with Steph's shoe, though. Like they took it from like a clunky profile and more of a like a nursing orthopedic shoe. And this this new model um, is pretty sleek. Like my kids like it. It's got it's got a good look. They make it in a low top. No, I, I'm not mad at it. Good for UMBC. Get them for free. Yeah, <laughs> can't hurt. So when he's not constructing DMs that are accidentally sent out as tweets, Ray Allen out here writing books. Uh, <laughs> this one going to be called uh, From the Outside, My uh, Journey uh, Through Life and the Game I Love will be released on March 27th. And it's already catching former teammate Rajon Rondo's attention. Rondo saying, obviously, that man is hurting. He wants to stay relevant. Does this <laughs> Celtics beef from the uh, late 2000s, early 2010s still intrigue you? Uh, I, I, it intrigues me because I played against a lot of those guys, so it's interesting. Um, right. Nah, you be careful, bro. <laughs> I'm just all I'm saying, like, 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 does Rondo I, have a point here? No, here's the deal. Um, about, about well, Ray, possibly. Yeah. I mean, Rondo, what are you trying to get me to say? <laughs> yeah, what are you trying to get me? I'm trying to get it out of you. You're trying to get it out of me. Oh, no, but I, you know, when I played, I always, I would say to like people who know me, like close, I'd be like, man, you know, if I wrote a book about all the stuff I've seen and all the stuff, man, I, I like it would be incredible. But you, I would never betray like the confidence of the teams I played on and my teammates and 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 just stuff that is said and done in locker rooms. That's your family. Like you don't take that, and that's a written like an unwritten rule in sports. Like you don't do that, and not in any bad way. But even you know, just a friendly story you might share with me. It's not mine to take. And tell to anyone else. And so I don't like guys writing books and putting people's business in the streets. I don't like that. And it sounds like books. other people don't like it. <laughs> right. But I think they have a point, too. I think there yeah. totally is something. There are some stories that should be off limits. But 
some guys will do that to sell books, to stay relevant. Like, I think Rondo does have a point. Rondo does Ray have Allen a point because Ray, Ray doesn't need no bread. Like, he doesn't need any right. money. He right. doesn't need, like, he, you're, you're doing that to stay relevant. So, yeah, Rondo has a point. Ray, hey, Ray, look, you ain't built like some of these cats, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you will watch you back out in them streets if you're throwing people under the bus. Who knows what happened with that catfish situation, though? Maybe he does need some little bit of bread. Oh, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you? I like. I raise a great golfer. Ray, look, yeah, raise in a group that I used to play in down here. I don't really have any beef with right. I don't. All I'm saying is like that. That the feuding at this point, it, it's like it's kind of childish. It seems. It seems like that. It's like beneath them, right? Like, yeah. Let, let it go. But they let, won't let it go. It's won't. almost like they like the drama. All right. of them. All like of they them, love talking yeah. trash back and forth. Raja was doing the segue there for me. Talking golf now. Rory McIlroy won on Saturday. Who knows how he enjoyed that victory. On Saturday, Rory thinking and talking about how some fans enjoy golf tournaments. Quote, I think that they need to limit alcohol sales on the course. Beer, he said, was acceptable. Liquor, nah. Tiger saying as long as they don't yell on our golf swings, everything's cool. Wait, Rory said beer was acceptable, liquor not? Nah? Yeah. Oh, good. All right. Just <laughs> right. right. so we're clear, Rory. Exactly. All right, good. McElroy, the guy that <laughs> needs Rory a McElroy. Is he the one that needs a drink? Yes. These dudes need to lighten up. Golf needs more attention. They need more fans. They need to grow the game. Of course. And the, the tight, old... Like club stuffy view of God. golf. What made it him, needs to change. Yeah. What made him say this though is he said that there was someone who kept yelling his wife's name. Yeah, so what? apparently they were t- exactly like this. How, I know. How I many- kind of agree. So what? Like, who right. cares? Look, this, how does like does this happen in basketball Hannah, games all the time? Oh my like, gosh! Golfers right? are so. And I, you know, I love golf, yeah. <laughs> but they are the most. They are the most like snobby, and it speaks to what you're talking about, like. How dare you call my wife's name when you, how dare you, how dare you call for my ball to go in the bunker? I'm going to have you removed. Like, get over yourself, yeah, bro. Also, this is JT why impersonation. Would, <laughs> why Lord forbid he call for my ball to go in the bunker. <laughs> yeah, but why would, like, be, I mean, beer wouldn't stop that. No, right? exactly. No. Like, go to a Bills game. Beer is the worst. Like, I, I feel I like know. alcohol is what would get you to a golf course. Yeah, no, alcohol is the only thing that would make me go. Yeah, and I in, all, really enjoy in all seriousness, like, I get what Tiger's saying. And it's a, it, in a backswing, unacceptable, yeah. 100%. Don't do right. that. But, like in, like, in general, once that ball's in the air, like, you shouldn't be concerning yourself with what someone says. Your job is to play. Like, like quarterbacks – Receive like any other major sport, team sport, even like you, you take what you get. You're making millions of dollars to do the job. Go out there and play. There are going to be people that boo. There are going to be people that cheer. It's what happens. Just don't do it. I mean, other sports have to, I get yelled at in the middle of my free throw stroke. Right. Like what, what does it matter to me? I block that out. Right. Our final topic Rory. of the day. <laughs> I like Rory. Now it's going to get worse, but that's what happens. Like, like it all, it, like when I was at a, uh, when I was playing, I used to have an officials meeting before games. Yeah. And the official would come up to me and they'd always kind of like, Hey, cause you could ask as a quarterback and you're playing on the road, there was a rule in the NFL that if the crowd was too loud, you could turn to the official and tell him you couldn't hear. And the official would like pause for a minute to make the quiet down. And the official always told me this. I'm like, why would I do that? That's only going to make them louder the rest of yes. the game. This is only going to make life harder for Rory McIlroy moving forward. Remember when Sergio Garcia was playing in New York and, then, and he tried to, and he said something about New York fans because they were counting his waggles, yes. which was epic. That was a great <laughs> troll job, by the way. It only makes it worse. You want to get the fans closer to you. You don't want to try them in the media. That's a bad look. Yeah. Danny, defend this one. Alabama beat UCF in the women's NIT. Bama AD comes out and says, we're not 
or he tweets this. We're not ready to make it more than it was and schedule a Disney parade, but we'll definitely take it. Some shade there. Your boy whoa, Danny White responds. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Your opportunity to respond. This is weak sauce, but I can't, I can't do it. I'm trying to be better. I don't want to, uh, I'm getting pinned in this corner where I'm um, Mr. Anti-SEC guy trolling Alabama. Congrats to Alabama on their women's NIT win. <laughs> That says it all. He said it by not saying it. Danny featured in a article this weekend about his SEC hate. There you so go. Wrong. Shout so out wrong. to. We're not going to say the paper. <laughs> no, exactly. All right, what else we got? Is that it? All right, I have one last thing I want to finish on because Shea Serrano from the cup. Ringer, from yeah. the Ringer. No, I got my Florida That's State Seminole Cup today. <laughs> you made, you know, you were trending on Twitter yesterday. From I don't what? know if it was officially trending, but you were the buzz. Oh, guy who's very popular on Twitter. So <laughs> a couple things were going around. There was a guy on Twitter. I had a question for this because I, this is a serious question. A guy said on Twitter to this Shea Serrano who writes for the Ringer. Said, I met my arch nemesis Raja at the movie theater last year. It took all my willpower to not get him back for this. And he has a, there's a picture of you clotheslining Kobe Bell. Uh, Kobe, Kobe Bell. Kobe Bryant. Has anybody ever tried you seriously? Like, and gotten mad at you since then? You were just minding Over. your business at the movie theater and this guy wanted to just... Hey, that's the best thing. That would have been hilarious if I got, like, there was a response in the movie theater. That <laughs> said, if Kobe wasn't going to try Rajapel after that, then you definitely weren't going to at the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> but has no. anybody ever tried you? Um, yeah, in LA. Yeah. They're, they're in LA. I mean, I had, there were a couple times we'd be out like in... Words? Words. Like, nobody, there's security a lot. I mean, you know, typically the people who really would want a problem, like I wouldn't be crossing paths with them because I ain't going to find them. The dudes walking around where I'm in Rodeo, where the hotel is, they don't really want a problem. They just want to yell at me from their car. But there was there was one time that, that I was walking back. We were in Santa Monica, and there was a dude waiting outside the hotel, and I was coming back from like just a diner up the street or something like that. And he started throwing gang signs. And I don't know nothing about gangs. Like I wasn't like, he started throwing sets at me and I was like, Oh shit. All right. We got it. So I mean, and he knew, he knew he called my name. And when I look back, like he was standing over there, like what, like what I was like, okay, let's get back up to the room. Right. <laughs> Time to go up to the room. We're yeah, good. There's definitely, cause I think most fans, like to talk trash and like to give you a hard time. Yeah. But yeah, if they're throwing gang yeah, signs, it's yeah, time to get it's out time, here. Time to turn the other way. Uh, there was a great response from Shay too. He said, uh, you were given an award. It was, you're a first ballot. Does not give a bleep about your feelings, Hall of Famer. But <laughs> I, like I think it. you're also on the podcast the same way. You don't give a, a bleep about anybody. So I, I have to do anybody. a couple bleeps today. <laughs> yeah, you will be busy. All right. That's it for us for this Monday edition of Canel and Bell. Thanks for checking us out. Hope you guys have a fantastic week. We'll be back on Wednesday. Get a little Sweet 16 preview. Make sure you go check us out on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, download, leave us that five-star review. In the review, ask us a question. About anything you want, we'll answer them every Friday in our five-star Q&A. And as as always, as always, follow us on Twitter, at Canel and Bell. We had a big bump in followers. Devo's been getting after it. And we're on Instagram as well. 